Hey, Vida Abundante English Service, welcome back. This is part two of our series in Lamentations, the book of Lamentations. And I'm glad that you're joining us. So I, ho I hope you have your Bible ready. I hope that you and your spouse are, are sitting down with your wife, with your kids possibly, and just ready to dissect and dive into God's word. And we're going to start off on chapter two today. So be ready for that. Last week, we discussed a little bit of the intro and historical setting of the book. And we we know why the book is called Lamentation, because it's a book of lament. And the people are in lament. They're in grief because the city of Jerusalem has gone under siege. The city of Jerusalem is in destruction. And that was pretty evident in chapter one. Now, I know that we were going to take these from now on two chapters at a time and i kind of gave a broad opening of chapter one but what i'm going to do now is we don't really know when this quarantine is going to be over and it seems like it's going to be a little bit more extended or it's going to be extended for a little bit longer and because of that instead of taking this two chapters at a time i thought that we would be able to finish this up in two weeks three weeks and and kind of be meeting back at church again but it doesn't seem like that's the case so what i'm gonna do is try to go into some detail not too much because this is not a a 40 minute 50 minute bible study but it's many in reality it's a mini devotional for the family and uh so but i will give it a little bit more more context and a little bit more detail and smaller portions so today we're gonna be um looking at chapter two so open up your bible to the book of lamentations chapter two i hope you have that ready and we're gonna discuss the first five verses if possible to see you know how how, how we can uh keep uh going through the chapter and and trying to dissect it little by little so that we know what's going on in the in the book at grand so get ready for that chapter two let me give you a brief introduction on chapter two and i'm gonna be reading off my notes here uh so if i don't have some direct eye contact with you you know what i'm looking at the outline it's fairly simple to identify within chapter two so we have uh the first 11 verses speak on god's anger and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more but it talks about god's anger and his role reversal so i'm gonna explain that a little bit more between verses 11 and 17 that's the second part and that reflects the lament or the bitterness or the anguish of god's people and then the final section is verse 18 through 22 which reflects the petition or the plea towards God. The poet, in this case, Jeremiah, is um, teaching the people and teaching people in lament how to seek God in these moments. So the chapter is basically divided up in three, three portions. And the theme of this chapter and what, what, the, what the writer is really getting us to understand here in this chapter is a reversal of roles. And that becomes evident within the first uh, 11 verses like we mentioned earlier. It becomes evident that God's role is reversed. 
In a sense, God is reversing his role with his people, with his covenant people. If we want to put this a little bit more into perspective and a little bit more understanding, it's um, the husband and wife analogy. We have a husband that has a specific role and the wife has a specific role in the marriage. And in this case, if we were to say the husband were to completely be the opposite of what he's supposed to be in the marriage, this is what God is doing with his people. He is changing his role. Instead of loving, he will be, become a God that hates. Instead of protecting, he will be the one that pursues. Instead of uh, being merciful, he will be the one expressing his wrath. So there is a change in dynamic in the relationship. And once again, this is put in the context of a relationship. And that's why the people are so... Uh, in lament there's they're in extreme agony because they've lost the relationship they've had with their father or in this case their husband and being J jerusalem the representation of the wife um, so let's get into this a little bit more in detail so let's look at verse one if you could read it, I'll read it with you. I'm reading out of the ESV. That's the Bible that we preach from as a church. You should be used to the, the sometimes the awkward phrasings that come out, out of the ESV because it's a very little translation. But in case you don't have that, um, you, you'll understand why it's a little bit different. So chapter 2, verse 1, this is what the Word of God says. How the Lord is in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. So we'll stop there. That's the first verse. And this is representing the theme of the entire book. This is the representation of God's anger. And so that's why chapter two is really a reflection of God's wrath, God's anger with his people. Now, why are we speaking about this in in this time during this time usually devotionals are a little bit more uplifting they're a little bit more um happy and they're a little bit more joyful but once again people the there is a book in the bible named lamentations there is this concept of god's people in lament and I am in no way relating this with the whole COVID situation where we're in lament because of something that we've done as a nation. I'm not trying to uh, chain that to, or link that together in a chain. I'm just explaining a little bit more on why people in God's context, why God's people will be people that go through lament or times of suffering and times of trials and though it may not be the best time to do it it'll help us get through this moment because we are in a sense in a moment of lament we are in grief we we some of us have been losing our jobs others have been losing family members others are no people that have gone through difficult are going through difficult times so this is a sad moment in our history especially as a church we haven't even been able to meet uh, we're not even going to be able to do the lord's supper so it's it's pretty pretty saddening and we need to know how to get through this biblically we need to know how to lament biblically how does god teach his people how to lament and so in chapter one i mean chapter two we we see this very strong the theme of the entire book is on god's anger 
And the first verse is very important because it puts this all, it wraps it all around in a, in a nice little summary at the very beginning. And so this is God's attitude and God's relationship with the city. He's angry with the city. And how is this represented? If you go back to verse 1, he says that the daughter of Zion is under a cloud. So in a sense, God has clouded or covered the city. What this means and what this shows is that this cloud has, in reality, darkened the city of joy. And we'll see this uh, later on in the verse. It talks about the splendor of the glory of Israel. And now there's a cloud over it. There is a covering over the, the city that has darkened it and given no opportunity for life. This is a dark and gloomy reality of the people of Israel. In a sense, there's no more splendor or no more glory from, from God's covenant people, especially in the city of Jerusalem. Now, this is the city where it's a very popular and it's the most important one of the most important cities in the bible we're talking about zion we're talking about the place where god abides this is where 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 god promised to be present with his people but now it has been covered there's a cloud over it and as we mentioned earlier this reversal of roles is very important here because the cloud that covered the city is God's cloud. And if we go back to the book of Exodus, we remember that there's another cloud. Now, the difference is that in the book of Exodus, we have the glory cloud or God's cloud as a representation of his guiding presence. So this teaches us something very important, that this reversal of roles now, where God once covered his people and walked with his people and was with his people is no longer there and now that same cloud that same object is now the the part of their anguish now god is using that as an instrument to bring darkness over their lives and this becomes difficult to understand and once again in the modern contemporary church culture we don't like hearing that god is like this a lot of the people in the first two three centuries of the church didn't like hearing that god was like this and they try to modify god by deleting the entire old testament because in the Old Testament, they have this stronger emphasis on God's judgment and on God's wrath. And some people don't like that. So they say, focus only on Jesus and do only as Jesus does and love only as Jesus loves. However, they forget that there's a lot of passages that Jesus speaks on wrath as well. But it's important to see that the same cloud that covered his people at the beginning is the same cloud now that is darkening the city and is bringing them to grief. So we read back in verse 1 that the anger of the Lord is placed over the subject, which is the daughter of Zion. So his anger is directly towards the people. In this case, he calls them the daughter of Zion. Now, 
any father who has a daughter at home immediately can come to that point of realization that they want to protect their daughter. A daughter in the hands of the father is is a protected child. It's someone that is is weaker than the father. It's someone that that needs protection and cannot survive on their own for a, for the beginning parts of their lives. And so the father does everything in his power to protect that weaker uh, human being his his young daughter in this case the language that is being used in the hebrew poet poetic sense it brings that attention to the daughter of zion has no more protection from the father in this case he's angry and he's angry with the daughter of zion so he offers no more protection and he offers her no help in time of anguish and most importantly here friends is maybe a little bit hard to swallow but it's the father that's bringing down the wrath it's the father that's bringing the pain and yes it's a difficult image to to bear but this is God and we always have to remember and I've repeated this consistently. If you've been here in church, you've heard me say this uh, a, a grand amount of times where God isn't good by what he does. It's everything that God does is good. And so we don't qualify or judge God by what he does. It's his very nature to do good things. So in this case, the father has removed the protection from his daughter. And we'll go further into this. I mean, God goes further into this and the writer goes further into this anger by the complete rejection that he has towards his city, towards his people and to the daughter of Zion. If we keep reading here, if we take it from the top again, how the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He's literally rejected his city, his people, Israel. They've been rejected and they've been thrown away from heaven. They've been thrown out. And so this goes deeper into the heart of the issue. God, before in the, in the Genesis, even with Abraham, chooses and elects. And then in Moses' time, the, the people of God are the chosen people that walk with him and that are liberated from slavery. And now God is rejecting these people. Once again, we get this concept of role reversal. God is reversing everything that he accomplished or everything that he was with his people. The relationship he had with them has now been reversed where he once chose and accepted now he rejects and throws away but it goes further the last part of the verse says he has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger now, what does this mean this is all imagery this is all the recollection of everything god has been and has done for his people throughout the entire history of his covenant people. And so what he does here is not only rejects his people, but he also doesn't remember them. Now think about this again, if we're going to use the marriage analogy again, think about the husband who no longer remembers his wife. Think about years of marriage. And then in one instant, there is no more memory 
of that marriage. There's no more memory of that spouse. And this is God rejecting his spouse, rejecting his daughter, rejecting his people, and now not remembering who they were. So remembering is is a word that is used in covenantal terms. If you remember in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1 with Abraham and Exodus with Moses, God remembers his covenant and therefore returns favorable upon them. He remembers what he promised and then he does graceful acts towards his people. So in in a sense, when God remembers, it's because God is going to do something positive or reaffirm or bring protection or, or, or bring blessings to his people. But in this case, God chooses not to remember. He is rejecting his covenantal role here as his people's protector. He rejects them. And the footstool only represents, and we can read this in First Chronicles, it's a representation of the Ark of the Covenant. And we know what the Ark of the Covenant means because in First Corinthians, I mean First Chronicles, we we understand it as the the place of his presence. This is where God abided with his people. This is where he lived in Exodus in the tabernacle within the Ark of the Covenant. It is where God's presence was. And now he no longer remembers its footstool. Uh, the presence, in a sense, is from Psalm chapter 99, verse 5, is an extension of that Ark of the Covenant to his general presence with his people. Since he no longer remembers them, what he is saying here is that he is retracting his presence from them. He isn't with them anymore. He isn't in giving. He isn't blessing. He isn't restoring. He isn't loving. He isn't, he isn't doing any of the roles that he would do as their father it has been reversed and his relationship has been severed completely from his people. He has forgotten his relationship. So God has forgotten his presence. God has abandoned his daughter. God has severed the relationship. God has reversed their roles. And look at how this verse begins and look at how it ends. This is once more an inclusio, a type of beginning and ending within the Hebrew poetic writing. How the Lord in his anger, that's verse 1. Look at the end of verse 1. In the day of his anger. So he starts off with anger and ends with anger. And once more, putting the whole theme of the book in context. This is God being angry with his people, with his city, with Jerusalem. He has forgotten the footstool. His presence is no longer within the city where the city, the the city that once praised, the city that once uh, had the manifestation of God's glory has completely been darkened and there is no more presence of God there. So from beginning to end, God is angry with his people. So that just serves to to show the emphasis on on what this really means. So this, friends, was the summary of the entire book within one verse. And like I said, we were going to take this two chapters at a time. But as you can see, time has gone by and we've only been able to really dissect one verse. But 
I want to take this not too slow, but also not too fast. Depending on how this quarantine goes, we'll be able to dive deeper into the book of Lamentations. I think it's going to be helpful for us. And once again, this is God's uh, book. This is God's presence with his people here with us, even in lament. So although we're studying God's wrath, remember, this is chapter two. This isn't the end of the book. We will explore and see what god does towards the end of the book but be that one not the church especially all the english people i'm glad that you were able to tune in and keep watching hang in there i know it's a little bit difficult when we're at home trying to study and and trying to pay attention but 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 hang in there and and really carve out some time and my prayer is that we begin to that this time during quarantine and during this epidemic and and circumstance that we've been going through that we can really learn how to spend time in devotion with God. Maybe you and your wife, if you're married, haven't carved out times together at home during the week to spend in a devotional. Maybe that's been foreign to you and and now you're you're starting or it's the beginning of something new in your life. So I really recommend that you do that as well for yourself. You, this should be a personal journey with you where you pick up the word of God and spend moments alone with God in prayer and in devotion. It's it's very helpful and every single person here needs it. Until we see each other again, we'll be seeing each other through Facebook and through our online presence. But we're praying for that that return that we will have as a church where we will get to celebrate and worship together again. We miss you and can't wait to see you.